Childhood has a way of molding our experiences. A young boy mute until four years old. The cold-blooded memories of being kicked for being silent. Just heighten the frustration with the repercussions for utilizing your voice as an adult. Indicative in all ways of George A's likeness. Some lessons learned are priceless. And this brother is rich in wisdom. Highlights that are cherished in the hustle. Embarking on troubled waters that'll keep you humble. The struggle does not pass anyone by. Abiding by the principle of deferring immediacy. A patience that gratifies the weight in the wake of your successes. All this while managing the challenges of being black in America and the personal traumas of life. I invite you to the season finale, episode 15. The 99 Celsius Podcast Season Finale, Episode 15. This is going to be amazing. I have a wonderful guest here with me. Can't wait to introduce him. Really excited to get started. So um, with no further ado, would like to bring to the mic, Jorge Blamo, my brother from uh, another mother. And uh, we got to link up in Ghana. What's going on, my brother? Chale, 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 chale. Thank you for having me, man. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. How you doing? I'm good, brother. Good. Yeah. Um, crazy times we're in, but you know, just trying to stay positive. Yeah. Keep it moving day by day. Yeah, man. Yo, it's uh, it's been a tough week for sure. Oh man, a tough couple of weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Real. Real. Still recovering from a mod, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I I say it's uh the life of a brother. Yeah. Um, it's just daily stresses that. We've unfortunately had to learn to cope with, uh, live with, um, thanks to, I guess, video phones, I guess, our other uh, brothers and sisters that aren't of our complexion can somewhat see what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. One of the things I've been happy to see is, you know, I was watching protests yesterday and I saw a lot of support from allies and especially in Minneapolis, they had like... They were showing around the, um, you know, kind of the demographic of the crowd. And I noticed, I was like, oh, this is this is a mixed crowd, which was nice to see. Definitely. I think sometimes, you know, as a black man, I think the tendency is to feel like you're in it alone. And obviously no one else has experienced the way that we do. But it's nice to see that people are galvanizing behind what's going on and are pitching in to try to achieve justice and raising their voices where where they can be heard, so that I could appreciate for sure. It's uh, I'd say it's their understanding we're human, right? Right. We have the same insides, we have the same cells. Uh, only thing that changes us is genes. Mm-hmm. That's what changes your pigment and whatnot. But inside, we're all the same. All right, muscles yeah. move the same. You breathe the same. Blood flows the same. There's nothing different. Yeah, that's real, man. Um, so what's kind of kept you, you know, going during this period of time? My faith, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, it's been a, besides like Corona, it's just been a rough, rough year. Lost my mom in uh, late February, so. Sorry um, to hear that. Appreciate you. Uh, I've had to like, 
I guess I got broken down mentally, so I've slowly just been mentally like building myself back up. Um, it's kind of weird because usually I'm like the one to like I guess try to help people like lift up their spirits mm-hmm. uh, physically, mentally, but um, like I've had to like take my own advice and also like luckily I've had a great support system around me, uh, family, friends. Um, reaching out, making sure to check it in on me and whatnot. And I think um, check-ins are important, especially in times like this for uh, us as uh, African-Americans. Like, when you have, like, your friends, like, that check in on you, like, yo, are you good? Like, Mm -hmm. I know this situation's messed up, but, like, just know, like, I'm here for you. And that's satisfying. Yeah. Um, I think it, it does a lot more for us than they think um so i think it's really important to always check in on people yeah especially with this year coronavirus and everything um just it's easier to like just say hey how are you doing like now i i made a pact with myself when someone comes to my head i'm just gonna text them at that <laughs> moment dope um just so I don't care if I don't get a response or anything, but like, right. just now, like, I'll, I've been thinking about you. I yeah. hope you're good. Yeah. And just keep it going, you know? I think being able to not take things for granted is, like, a lot of what I hear in what you're saying and taking the time to uh, to let loved ones know and people that you, you know, have an affinity and care for know that you're, they're on your mind and that you appreciate them, you love them in that moment in real time. There's a lot of times where we don't, necessarily let people know their place in our lives and you know god forbid there's there's times where we're not able to to be able to do that anymore and so taking the time to let someone know um and then even you know as you spoke to as far as people checking in and seeing how how we're doing during this difficult time i know i have some allies as well you know and i've really appreciated that i've seen it more this time more than any other time in my life um where i've been hit up I can count like a few times, I would say, uh, over the past few few days where folks have been like, hey, you know, I know I may not fully be able to understand this, but I want to know how you're doing personally. And if there's anything I could do, I just want you to know that I feel you, I hear you, I see you. Um, and anything that you may need right now, you know, let me know because I'm happy to do it for you. And I actually got an email at work as well from my lead and that was really nice. And we actually had some dialogue about, you know, for me, it was it was a lot about, you know, because in the work setting, it, I find it challenging, at least in my work environment, to see how our company can change the climate of America as a whole. But what we can do is we can, at least in our micro community of our workplace, make it more accommodating for people of color. So one of the things that... Um, that I found most important to share with her along the way um, in my experience was really identifying the psychological impacts of what's going on in the country. And one of the things I was sharing with her was, you know, of course there's, you know, the, the actual oppression and the actual killing and things of that sort, right? Where there's a fear that's initiated. But even outside of that, right? Something that I find, you know, interesting that people don't think about much um, or that at least doesn't garner enough conversation to me, is the idea of how we have one mind, one brain, and uh, conditioning is real, 
right? And the way that you learn to navigate your life in, in situations oftentimes will end up reflecting in other ways in your life. And the conditioning that we get as black men and women in America is honestly to, to be as low-key as possible. Don't be loud. Don't get it. Don't garner attention to yourself. Don't definitely don't fight back. Don't raise your voice. Don't speak up against injustices, etc. Those are things that we know kind of anger, um, you know, kind of the the structures, whether it be law enforcement, whether it be government, whether it be, you know, there's institutions that we learn this from rather consistently. And you take in that messaging and it's very difficult as black people to then take that same insight and behavior and suddenly change it when you're in the workplace, right? Like you, there's not a magic switch where you could say, oh, that's out in the world and I'm doing this for protection. So I'm not going to speak up. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to be silent. And then I'm in the workplace and now, okay, I'm going to speak up. I'm going to, you know, challenge things that are, you know, that may be inappropriate or not beneficial to our community or even self-promoting yourself and ensuring that you're connecting with all the people with a way of comfort. It's not easy to get up and do that. There are some people who have mastered the ability to to kind of contain those two different worlds and be able to go into work and be fine. But most people struggle with grappling between those two worlds where one world is telling you to be quiet, be silent, remain where you are for protection and, and fly under the radar. And the other world is saying, you need to speak up. You need your voice to be heard. There's not many of you in the room. And so we need your contribution for whatever reasons. But that, That's comes, a, that comes with a risk though, bro, because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, yeah, you're in that position, right? And you're going to argue there's a high possibility they'll let you go because exactly right there's a new think about it every year there's a new perspective or prospect sorry coming up um so it's just like all right well we could just get rid of him and there's a new one right here exactly so i see exactly what you're saying and that's the problem i had with corporate that's that's why i just got out of it Mm. i i couldn't do it I, i just I'm a person that I like to speak my mind. Um, if something is wrong, I always voice it. I've gotten in trouble for it in the past, but it's just that's just my characteristic. Yeah. So I'm not going to change that, and that's why I really applaud everyone that I know, like that is working in the corporate world or working in some sort of government um, facilitation. It it take it's it's. It's a strength that I wish I had. Mm. That's like what I would say. That's one of my weaknesses. Um, so, I mean. As far as what? I just feel like there's times, like LeBron says, you uh, always, it's per progress over pride. Mm. I guess sometimes I would say like my pride would take over a little more way, yeah. just because it's like, I just, I, if I don't feel it's right, it's not right. You know, mm-hmm. I feel it needs to be voiced. Um, sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. Right. Um, and and I guess in the aspect I'm talking about is pay. Right. It's uh some I would say like if you look at certain companies, majority of the times like we're not paid as much as 
someone else and you're mm-hmm. probably doing double the work mm-hmm. which is really sad mm-hmm. um same education is just i i think you should like as minorities you should fight for equal pay like same thing with women there's no there's not a difference it's the right. same exact thing um but i will say it's we're in a better state right um our parents definitely had it harder than us, right? So it's just, I guess it's up to us to just keep, like, climbing up the ladder. And yeah. I think, would you think Martin Luther King would be happy right now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. I man. don't think so. Yeah. But, like, compared to, like, what he was going through, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, would I, say, I think, oh, yeah, they, it's, there, there's progress. But right. There's and I think so that'd be acknowledged, for sure. There's so much more. And yeah. think about it, like... It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I mean, wasn't fifty years. Ago. It's not. Yeah. So, it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing battle. Yeah. Um, I just think we all need to just understand what's going on, uh, and hopefully, my kids, your kids, our grandchildren won't have to deal with the stresses and complications that comes with being us yeah that's real um yeah man there's like i'm tempted sometimes to just consider other options like you know what could life overseas look like i know we were actually talking about that a little bit before we jumped on air but um yeah man i don't know you know i i i I flirt with the idea of it you know um especially because i mean we we met in in ghana right um, and we know how good of a time that was just being in the motherland and being surrounded by, you know, your culture and a happiness that I haven't experienced in and a while. Love. You know what Should I mean? And love. love, right. Like, you know, safety and um, fitting. You know what I mean? Like, just, just, just like a sense of belonging that I don't know if really I've ever experienced in America, you know? I, I haven't. Yeah. Kind of on the topic of, of Ghana, I uh, would like to to speak a little bit on how we met and what that was like. We uh, we had the opportunity by meeting and kind of with fortune. Um, I, you know, had been prior to the trip, had been planning with the, the two folks, the two friends I was going with. And we, one of the things we wanted to make sure we did was get to the Slave Castle on Cape Coast, um, which is for those of you, those of you that are listening, what they term the point of no return, um, which is a castle where all of the slaves um, in Ghana were held before being shipped out into the into the Caribbean and Americas for the slave trade, um, and it is a very powerful experience. And as we were getting ready to embark on our trip to Ghana, we wanted to make sure that we we centered our trip around that. And so, you know, we were doing other things during our, our trip there, but wanted to make sure that we planned to, to ensure that we definitely did the castle. And uh, one of my friends who was coming on the trip with me had reached out about a friend of theirs that was interested in coming. And so we had a certain amount of spots on the van and we locked them in. And one of those brothers happened to be George. The morning of, we had a super early morning. It was like, Five o'clock in the morning, I think that we had. <laughs> All I know is like I was like I'm not missing that five o'clock bus. Right. I think I got to your your cousin's crib at like four thirty. Yeah. 
<laughs> I wasn't playing. I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm I, this is the one of the main reasons I really wanted to come back here yeah. to like understand uh, just uh, what they went through. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so it was like a spiritual journey for yeah. me. So like, I didn't care how hungover I was. I was making that yeah. trip. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, and it was a vibe. Oh, like it's beautiful, bro. We had an amazing group with us. We you know got on that bus probably at five thirty in the morning, took a trip over. First we went to the national park of uh Kakum, which is a nice like canopy kind of uh journey in um in the national forest. And we learned a lot about nature there and fruits and all of that. We know about Atwa, which <laughs> Like anything bitter sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so atwa is a is a small little fruit. Um, it's like a it's a, what kind of like a, what kind I'd of? I'd say it's is like it kind of looks like a a like a a bigger olive. Yeah, like if the shape of it. Mm. Um, but it definitely had that plum yeah. texture. Yeah, and so it's a it's a small fruit, and uh, apparently any time that you consume this, no matter what you consume afterwards, it will always be sweet. And so it's kind of cool. They uh, they say that um you know they they leverage that uh, to you know kind of enhance uh, desserts and things of that sort. So it was dope. Um, so we learned about that, and then we finally get over to the slave castle, um, and that was an experience I had been before, but. Uh, I think seeing it a second time, you know, it, it, I think I was able to, to take in the experience more this time. I think that it was almost overwhelming the first time for me, but I think the second time, especially having been, had more years of experience of life now, um, seeing the conditions that the slaves were, were in was just really heavy, um, and I know something that, you know, and we talked about it when we were leaving there on the the, uh, the van ride back. Um, and, you know, a lot of us were just talking about just how crazy it was, you know, the experiences that our ancestors had had. And it, I don't think like people understand. I think everyone should go to really encompass like what they were mentally broken down before they even landed in the Americas or the Caribbean. And just for me, for them to even survive that, like, is crazy. Yeah. And then also survive being enslaved for 400 years. Like, I think that's what shows, like, the strength of us. And maybe that's what strikes fear in people. Yeah. And I think that's maybe why certain things happen the way they are right now. Yeah. Because if you really understood, like, the punishment they were going through, like, sitting in their own feces, um, literally seeing no sunlight, they had that little, like, it's light tiny. beam coming through. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of people in that small little space. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my goodness. That's, uh, it's, 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 it's rough, yeah. you know? Um I would say it was, I don't want to say it's as bad as the Holocaust, but it was like they weren't getting gassed, obviously, but like it's similar in terms of like mentally breaking mm -hmm. down someone. Mm -hmm. And it's like I always say uh, when I train my clients, like when you're, you're mentally not there, you're not going to succeed. Mm. Wow. Because your mind and body are one. And mm -hmm. if your one is gone, 
The body is just your body. Wow. That's it. That's powerful. Yeah, man. And that was your first trip, right, to Ghana? Uh, second. Second, so okay. So first trip where I could fully understand and grasp yeah. like what was going on and the beauty of the culture. Not that I didn't see there was beauty before, mm-hmm. but like really like taking like pride of like where my ancestors come from, um, the quality of life, um, why I guess we are the way we are in terms of compassion, like Ghanaian people are so nice, bro. Really? It's, it's just, it's crazy. Um, just, just beautiful people. And I, and I can see it in the way I act sometimes, the way like my mom is, you know what I mean? My, my, my other family members. So it's just, it was beautiful to see like why we are the way that we are. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Well, that was a, that was a, a dope time for sure. Um, and obviously closer to the end of, of, or uh, I guess the most recent part of your journey. But um, I would like to take a step back and go towards the beginning of life for you. Um, as you know, the podcast really details the journey of how um, someone comes to fruition as far as their career and the things that they're doing out in the world and also taking a glimpse into what could be next and what they want to achieve. Um, and I know that you, you have many pursuits that you work in and uh, acting and um, physical health and wellness being another piece and even some other passion projects that you're doing. And so um, before, you know, really getting to the end of that and talking through, you know, what you've been doing and uh, what could be coming next, I would like to start with childhood for you and get a glimpse of understanding what it was like growing up for you. I think it was New Jersey that you were born in? I grew up in Jersey. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, tell me a little bit about childhood and some of your earliest memories. Uh, so I'm first generation here. Um, my mom actually, the reason why she came to this country is because she was living in Liberia at the time. My dad was a politician there. Um, the war broke out. They had like a civil war. Charles Taylor tried to overthrow the government. Um, my dad actually got captured. So wow. um, my mom was pregnant with me and my brother. And uh, they were trying to go to the Ghanaian embassy. Um, my brother, for some reason, couldn't come to America. Um, visa issues. I think my mom just, like, she helped a lot of her family come here. So I guess she, like, used up all what she could. So my brother actually had to go to Switzerland and stay with, like, one of my aunts over there. That's crazy. Um, and she came to America with me and... Uh, we came. She came to South Orange, New Jersey. Um, I grew up, real quick yeah. context. Um, mom is Ghanaian and Portuguese and Portuguese, and, Portuguese. and dad was uh, Ghanaian and Liberian. And Portuguese okay, so that's well. why you were in, in Liberia. Yeah. Got it. So his okay. dad, his dad was a UN general. Got it. So um, I guess like he got stationed in Liberia, but he has family from like. His fat part of the family is like Ghanaian, Portuguese, okay. and okay. I think Jamaican. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. Liberia is like liberty, the men's liberty. So a lot of like slaves came from the Caribbeans and the Americas, freed slaves, and came to Liberia. Mm. And that's how they formed Liberia. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And so um, you and Mama come over to uh, Orange? Uh, South Orange. Okay. Um, I was born in Newark. Um, I've been in like South Orange my whole life. Uh, 
I was actually mute. So I didn't speak until I was four years old. Wow. Um, so it was, I guess like school was kind of hard for me because I couldn't really like voice what I was doing or feeling. So I got into like a lot of trouble, kind of got like abused. Um, I remember a nun would like would like kick me. She kicked me one time. Who? A nun. Like she kicked a nun? me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kicked yeah. you? She kicked me. Um, and I couldn't like voice it. So I like showed my mom like what she did and my mom got like so mad and, uh, I don't, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I didn't go to that school anymore. Wow. Um, so yeah, I couldn't speak, but I think I was walking at like six months, like something crazy like that. That's crazy. Uh, like, yeah. So like, I was uh, definitely like, I was always a curious wonder yeah i'll be like one of those babies at church like running down the aisle yeah um so <laughs> that was really it um i was like a giant oh like, yeah i haven't grown since eighth grade oh wow really i just got wider that's crazy <laughs> yeah wow so um south orange was good um very eclectic town you have a mixture of black and white people living in harmony honestly yeah uh so i guess i was lucky in terms of like having people that understood me for who i was i just played sports honestly and that's what i did played yeah. baseball soccer track all that okay yeah. and so uh touching on that the, you know you said that you grew up mute mm -hmm. um and i know you said you started speaking at four so you may not have detailed memories of that experience but do you remember anything about that um, in terms of like reading and comprehension, I was in math, I was way behind. Mm. I was good in everything else. And it's been like that reading and uh, readings. I like throughout the years, I, I, I think after third grade, that's when I started, like, I wasn't like in the, I don't even know what they called the class. Uh, were you like, uh, was it like, um, it's like. You had to do like support classes. Yeah, it's like slowed down. Remedial. Like, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I was very also very hyper. I had an ADHD. Mm, okay. So I couldn't like sit in one place. I was always moving. Like I would like run to the side, run back. So I was always in the principal's office because I was just a very hyper kid. Yeah. Um, and I was bigger than everyone else. So like, I guess like teachers would forget like, oh, like you know, he's actually a child. Like he's yeah. not like a man. So. Uh, in terms of that, I just, I don't know. It's just different. But math, I'm still, like, slowing. <laughs> okay. And was was it challenging, you know, I mean, so, like, what's kind of going through your mind at this point where, you know, you're, you're getting in trouble for maybe being a little active, hyperactive, um, and then there's also the frustration of being, um, you know, it was taking you a little longer. You were saying to to comprehend material and such. What was the what were some of the emotions that you may have been feeling during those times? Uh, anger, also because I didn't see my dad till I was four years old because we just didn't know he was alive. Right. So he finally, like, we found out he was good. Like he was obviously like captured and like prison, getting tortured and whatnot. But um, he ended up like working with the UN, so he ended up like just traveling all the time. So I wouldn't see him that much. Um, then I guess I would see like other people's parents and stuff. And 
I was like angry and I guess jealous um, that I, like I wasn't able to have like a mom and dad at home all the time. Yeah. Uh, and hold but, on real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me dive into that. So um, you said you met him at four? Yeah. This was the first time I met my dad. Four years old. What was the kind of the, the backstory behind? So I know, you know, when, when your mother was pregnant with you in Liberia, uh, he got captured. No one knew that he was alive. She came to the States. She kind of started a life here. Um, how did how did things how did the pieces come back together? So my mom was in contact with the Liberian embassy. Um, like guy was one of like my dad's best friends. So like he would like just get intel, I guess, from people, and that's how the messages were relayed. Um, I remember the first time I saw him, it was in the Liberian embassy in New York, and like. I was just so excited. I'm like, oh my god, like it's my dad, you know? Yeah. Um so, so she finds out that he's alive and then he comes straight ahead to the States. Okay. To, yeah. To check on us. Um but it was it was good. Um I guess I lived four years without him, so it wasn't it was more like, Oh yeah, like here's my dad, this is my dad. Um so like when he was home, like I really we would watch soccer. That's why I love soccer so much. Yeah. Um, he was a Manu fan. Um, now I'm a Manu fan. Um, back when like Katona was on Manu, so like that was like the bond like me and him shared. Um, so I feel like I don't know. I just feel like um, the times that we were together it was really good. And but I guess I kind of got used to him not being around. Yeah, if that makes sense. So it was a, a bit of a difficult transition when he came back. Yeah, yeah, it was difficult. Like he wouldn't. It's not like he would probably stay for like three weeks and then have to go somewhere on the UN. Like diplomats, I don't want to say they don't do anything, but they are always at meetings, and you know <laughs> the world is still in the, <laughs> in the state that we're in. So it was just like, like, what are you guys really doing in these meetings? Like, All right. But um, it's or summits, I guess they call it. But I mean, it is what it is. I guess I'm 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 grateful. Like I had at least I had it. I got to see my dad. Some people don't even get to see their dad. Yeah. So looking back retrospectively, that's I'm grateful for even having that opportunity. Yeah. Um, especially like my dad being in the position that he was in. So, um, I that also came down to like school being important. So like, I always had to like focus really really hard on like math um i really focused on like reading i remember once like third grade came like i was one actually one of the best in my class oh, that's so dope. i just try to like use that to like propel myself forward mm -hmm. that's real and uh you talked about being having an interest in sports yeah early, right? i love sports um I, baseball is by far my favorite okay um, I don't know. It's just, it's like, I think the first time I hit a ball was a home run. And I'm like, oh, I, I love this. I love crazy. This. Yeah, it was like a wiffle ball. I hit it over the fence. I'm like, oh my God, I love this game. Wow. And then like my mom got me like, uh, back then it was Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. So I get like the, the small rollings bag and I just took off. And I guess like it, my ADD focus was on sports. So everything that I did I just try to do as best as I could. Yeah. And luckily, I was blessed enough to play baseball in college. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, That's yeah. Dope. I played, okay. I played at Penn State. So, oh, wow. Um, 
unfortunately I got hurt, but I mean, I I still love the game. Yeah, for sure. Did you ever play uh, against Temple if you were at Penn State? Uh, no, I actually got recruited by Temple. You almost, did? Almost went. Almost. That's went crazy. Temple. My yeah. best friend is uh, he he played at Temple. Yeah, I almost went there. Um, I guess I just didn't choose it because uh, my mom just wasn't comfortable with the area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was yeah. The, that was the biggest thing. Yeah, um, and she thought I'll be more focused at like Penn State in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what was it about sports that you know you felt drawn to so early? Like, was it a natural kind of thing, or does do athletics run through your your household? Or yeah, um, my mom was a swimmer. Okay. Um, my dad played soccer. Uh, my sister played tennis. My brother was actually an All-American fencer. Oh, I'm wow. pretty sure he still holds like the most wins in fencing in New Jersey. Jeez. Um, so like I've always, and I would say like my brother was a huge focal point in terms of, because like my dad obviously wasn't around and then he died when I was in fifth grade. So like my brother, you know, African culture, the, the oldest like male is the male of the house. So yeah. like my brother's really hard on me. Um, I mean, after school, do homework. We'd go to the courts or baseball field, and we're always we were always doing something active before yeah. we came home because we weren't allowed to watch TV. Mm-hmm. So I, that's just what we did. And this is the same brother that you, when you had came to the states, you're, he was in Liberia, he was in right? Liberia. Uh, he was in uh, Switzerland. Sorry, Switzerland, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, when did he finally come over to the states? I saw him first grade for the first time. Um, I would talk to him on the phone, um, and then this was before WhatsApp. You would have to like use the phone card to, yeah, <laughs> to yeah, call yeah, over there, scratch, and scratch the code. <laughs> and you got so many minutes. Um, yeah. So he went from Switzerland to Ghana, and then from Ghana he came to the states. I think he came here when he was in. He skipped a couple grades because he's my brother's really smart. Um, so I think he was supposed to be in like sixth grade, but he ended up being in eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. So the interesting thing is they're very early in life. It sounds like there's a lot of new introductions for you, right? Like you're meeting your father for the first time and getting acclimated to that. And then you have a brother that you're meeting for the first time as well. And, you know, getting acclimated to that as well. Um, You know, do you, as you reflect on, on kind of those scenarios, do you see, do you see any of that playing out in any kind of way for you in life? Like, are you maybe flexible when it comes to meeting people maybe because of the way that you grew up i'm definitely very sociable yeah um and i guess i i like meeting new people it's like i'm not scared to go into a new environment like think about like i met you like i didn't really know you you know what i mean like i knew you through willie um and for me i just if i know someone and they're they have good character i'm like all right i'm open you know what i mean i'm not just i don't I try not to judge. That's like one of my uh, mantras is like, don't judge someone. Even if your friend doesn't like this person, like don't just judge them off of that. Like yeah. meet the person, get to know them and understand who they truly are and then make your assessment. You know? Yeah. But um, I'm definitely very sociable. Um, that's that's a good quality, I guess I have. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I guess that's why I was curious because... Um you know, exactly to your point, right? We had met in Ghana. We haven't seen each other since. And 
Um, we still got to connect and we, we, we touched base every once in a while. And it's like, yeah, how you doing? Everything's good. It's like, yo, like pull up, let's do this. And you know, you're down and, you know, and it just, just like that. Right. And I would say from the time we met and we were on that van, like it felt like a connection, like right away. Yeah, like, um, I felt like I'd known you for a while. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and I could tell there was some comfort there. And I think it probably has, you know, a lot to do with the fact that, you know, you lived life in a way where, you know, you, it sounds like you had to be flexible and agile and adjusting and stuff. So um, that's cool to hear. So at first grade, you're meeting your brother and now you guys are playing a lot of sports and stuff as you're growing up. Um, and you get acclimated to that relationship pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, he was hard on me. Yeah. You would admit it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like looking back, like I'm just happy because he's actually like, like what we we're touching based on earlier in terms of me not like be just speaking how I feel. Yeah, I feel the way he brought me up is that's the why the way I am. You know, mm. um, I'm gonna speak how I feel to you. It may you may not like it, and I, for me, I think like relationships, especially like friendships, you shouldn't be scared to tell your friend how you actually feel. Because are you actually friends if you're just like tiptoeing around subjects like that's yeah. not i for me like there's more there's more strength in a relationship when you can just have an open door and you mm -hmm. just bang 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 you may not agree that's fine you may not talk for a while that's part of life but at the end of the day you do come back and it just shows the strength of your friendship yeah, yeah. that's real and so uh as you kind of go through middle school and high school you know, what's life like for you then? Um, I got made fun of a lot for being Ghanaian mm -hmm. uh, to the point where I kind of kind of hit it. Um, I would say, like, yeah, I'm Portuguese, and that's it. So um, yeah. just so I wouldn't have to hear people being like, oh, you're African booty scratcher. Right. Um, so in terms of that, I, I guess I really started to identify with Portugal more than Ghana just because I just was tired of getting picked on for it. Um, over time, though, as I got older, I'd probably say, like, high school, uh, kind of started coming into the World Cup more, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just started getting a little more pride and just, like, really appreciating both sides and not just choosing one. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I would say, that's, that's it. That's yeah. real. And what were things like for you socially? So I know you talked about there being some challenges with people judging from being being African and things of that sort. Did that pose any challenges for you as far as connecting with people? Yes, I will. I think if I didn't play sports, I probably wouldn't talk to anyone, to be mm. honest. Yeah, majority of people I would say that I know is probably through sports. Yeah. Um, most of my most of my best friends are from sports, playing sports. I knew people because I went to a private school so I didn't know like public school people um because I played baseball I played basketball at the courts I would know people just through that so I was able to I guess have like a different groups of friends and if like you add them together it's a lot of people yeah but it wasn't like I was going to their houses or anything like I just knew them and that was it yeah but like when I would see them, it's like conversations here and there. I've always tried to have like meaningful conversations. I don't like talking about people. 
it just there's no it doesn't bring substance to me. Yeah. So I always like we'll try to like, yo, how are you doing? Like, what's going on? Like, are you happy doing what you're doing? Blah 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 stuff like that. Just meaningful stuff. Yeah. Not like, oh, like what do you do for a living? Like, <laughs> I hate when people ask me that. That's right. like. I'm like, oh, I do a lot of different things, but what do you do? Like, uh, like, <laughs> like, but like, are you happy? Yeah. Like, it's the first thing I ask someone yeah. is if they're happy, because at the end of the day, if you're not, you're doing something great, you're making all these millions of dollars. If you're not happy, are you really living? Right. Yeah. That's real. Um, it's funny. It's kind of random. I, I was thinking about a movie that um, I just watched, and um, it's called uh, The Platform. Who's in that? I haven't seen that. I'm not good with actors, but it's on Netflix. Um, I'll check it out. For yeah, sure. it's really dope. What's the premise? Um, it's a it's an imaginary world. I actually just heard about this this genre. It's called dystopia. Are you familiar? I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything about this <laughs> genre, but uh, it's like an imagined world, basically. And um, it, and in this imagined world, it's it's like a it's kind of like a almost like a prison, and there's a uh, a concrete slab. Right, so a big square of like a bunch, like just so much food, right? And the slab of concrete transcends from the top floor mm-hmm. all the way down to the bottom, but it stops at each floor for people to be able to eat. And uh, without giving away kind of like the premise and stuff, because um, I think you should watch it, I think you'll really enjoy it. There's a lot of meaning, I think, in the movie as far as. Um, how people in society are and what they think and what they tend to gravitate towards and all of that. So I'm trying not to give it away, but it's really dope because I think there's a lot of hidden messages um, from the world within embedded into that film. And one of the things I thought about was, um, I'm trying to think how to not give this away. So I, there's a there's a character in particular, it's really subtle, it's just a flash and they don't bring any attention to it. Um, but there's someone, um, you know, kind of in this environment who clearly has a love of money, right? And like you see it and, um, but their circumstances are so bad. They are just so bad, but you can, but they have all this money, but the circumstances are like, like yeah. And it, it, but it's really subtle and like, you, you can honestly miss that scene if you're not, you know, kind of watching. Yeah. I think I've watched it twice. And so, you know, the second time I watched it, it was much more like, am I really paying attention for like this, the analogies and like the symbolism and all that? But it's really dope and really powerful film. Um, but anyway, I was thinking about that because you talked about, yeah, you're making a lot of money, but are you really happy? And is that really filling you up? And it's the same kind of thing I saw there where it was like, yo, you have really bad, you have a really bad situation right now, but like, look at all this money that you're hoarding. And like, is it really, what is it really doing? What purpose is it really serving for you here? Um, so yeah, I, I thought about that. Um, something else I was, I was interested in, in asking you about was you, um, you said your father passed away, yeah. right? And was that, I can't remember the grade. Was that Fifth grade. Sixth? Fifth. Fifth. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. So, um, kind of another major transition point for you, um, you, you know, again, you're meeting people and, uh, you know, with meeting new people, you're getting acclimated and new attachments are starting, um, new bonds. And then you have the loss of your father as well. You know, so he kind of comes in and then unfortunately ends up exiting life. What do you remember about that experience and that time? What was going through your mind and how are you feeling? I held 
too much things in that I would say affected me in my college years. Mm. Um, I was very like amiable. I was like talkative to people. Then I started to become just, I'll keep everything locked in. So you would see that anger in the way I played. Mm. So like for basketball, for example, like, someone's coming up for a shot like I would be angry but I'll swat the ball and block it so I guess at a young age I was lucky I don't know how I did it but I was able to channel that energy into uh the sports that I played Mm -hmm. which is why I think I excelled in baseball and basketball and track um I just that's I guess that's how I used that anger then I guess later in life like high school dealing with like because I went to an all-boys high school, uh, seen all prep. It's weird because you have, I, I I was angry at the time that my mom made me go there. But looking back, it was probably the best thing for me. Really? Yes, because it, in terms of discipline, it really taught me how to be disciplined. Like, yo, you have 10 papers due this day. You have to get it done. Wow. So that like really prepared me just for college work, all that type of things. Um, I was really excited to go to Columbia. Like, oh, you know what I mean? I'm going to Columbia. I knew people there. Like, they call everyone. Like, it was weird. Like, I knew so many, like, people that were older than my age group because, like, obviously I had to tag along with my brother and whatnot. So I thought I was going to Columbia. My mom was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go to Seton Hall Prep for uh <laughs> Theology and education. I'm like, all right, but how oh, you went for theology? Well, like they 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 had like theology, like focus tracks. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So like my mom was my mom's very religious, so okay. and spiritual. So she was just like, yeah, you're going to you're going to a school that teaches you yeah. know, about the faith and stuff. So um, I wasn't happy, but it really prepared me for life in terms of like I got to understand people outside of South Orange Maplewood. Like, when you start thinking about people in Sparta, I remember the first day on orientation, this kid told me, like, he was the, I was the first black person he's ever met in person. Oh, wow. So, like, it just just think about that. <laughs> wow, like in New Jersey? In New Jersey, bro. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, I think he lived in Sparta. Okay. Like all the way up north. So, okay. it just, for that type of stuff, I've never reacted, that, like, to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine going to college and hearing that for the first time. For me, then... Your mind's a little sidetracked. You don't know how to operate. So in terms of like discipline, understand how the world really worked, uh, it was probably the best decision for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see an impact or uh, ways that the theology background has played a part in your life as well? Yeah, because it's it's so hard to be a Christian. Um, it's like do unto others as you would want done unto yourself. That's like one of the commandments. Another one is like turn the other cheek. Like I'm not good at all of that, but like I try to be. That's yeah. that's the key, right? You're not gonna be per- you're not gonna be perfect, and I think that's something I had to understand because like it was like oh like whenever I did something bad, I would actually like get down on myself. Like oh God's angry at me, blah blah. Mm. But it's it's okay. Like, and I feel it's like, I don't like, I feel like everyone has, like, I never try to like force my faith on anyone. Like, 
sometimes some of the things advice i would give comes from a spiritual background but right. i'm not like forcing it on you yeah um i feel like everyone has their own way of viewing god and whatever it is that's okay that's that's you that's your relationship with your god yeah um for me i feel like whenever i'm not like honed in and locked in into it i've seen things in my life kind of get yeah, out of place it's not as as it's not clear. it's not as clear like yeah. my head is foggy um disorganized basically yeah. Yeah. disorganized yeah. and when i'm in it then it's like all right everything's flowing even if things aren't good like my dad's death you know what i mean i don't think i really talk to and it's i feel like religion also could be therapy right um you need to learn how to channel your emotions and whatnot. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Um, but at the end of the day, I feel like uh, my my faith has really brought me to where I'm at because I don't understand sometimes how I get to where I am now yeah. without it. Bro. And so during this time, you're as you're kind of channeling, uh, you know, learning to channel emotions and um you know, be be more productive in that kind of way. You know, uh, understanding how to process and and at least try to find healthy ways to channel those emotions into sports and such. What was that recruiting process like for you in high school? You know, I'm sure that you started getting scouts looking at you and things of that sort. <laughs> Funny story, I actually. So my coach is a. Oh, I don't forgive him, but. My uh, varsity baseball coach, basically, he cut me my senior year. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I had, like, plantar fasciitis my, was it junior year? So I really couldn't really, like, play baseball. So it's a foot injury, right? It's a foot injury. Yeah. It's like, it's like your tendons under your foot get too tight. Mm. I have flat feet, so that's, like, a common injury for yeah. people with flat feet. So I, like, switched over to javelin. Because, like, uh, the coach was just like, yo, like, you already have the arm. I can teach you a technique where you don't have to put pressure on your foot. So I basically was just, like, swinging it. So I did that javelin my junior year. I got cut my senior year because there was I was the only black kid in the baseball program in, I would think, 20 years at Seno Prep. Whoa. Like when I came, actually, when I came in my freshman year, it was funny. <laughs> it was crazy. really funny because everyone was just like, you sure you play baseball? I was just like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. What? What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah, I play. And like, I guess there was these, uh, there was like Scene Hall University baseball camp, like that uh, Coach Shep ran. His dad was like the coach at Scene Hall University at the time. So he would do these camps. I never went to them. I just... I just didn't go to the camps like that. Um, so all these kids knew of the program and whatnot. I didn't. I just came in there. Yeah. Did my thing. You know what I mean? And everyone's like, yo, oh, yo, there's going to be. I remember all the black kids at Seno Prep in freshman year. Yo, yo, we got a black kid on the baseball team. Like, it was such a big thing. But yeah. to me, it was so weird. Right. Because I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I, like my whole town, I like I have four black kids that are dirty. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. really good at baseball. Like. It was just weird to me, like, I don't know. So it was a big deal for me being on the team. Um, even, like, teachers would come up to me, like, yo, we're really proud of you. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I was like, That's yo. crazy. I was just like, okay. Like, 
<laughs> I was just this is something I've been doing my whole life. You know, it was yeah. just weird to me. I didn't think about that because you watch baseball. Like I grew up watching Griffey, like yeah, Griffey right, right. Bonds. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, uh, Larry Barkin, um, Sammy Sosa. Like I really want to contribute Vlad, to this because I know someone and I'm having a hard time. My man was on the uh, the Twins. Um, I feel like he was an outfielder. Center field. Yeah. Not Jock Jones. You're talking yeah. about. Oh my God! I'm looking at his face. Was it like a Tori or Terry or something like that? And I really want. I just wanted to say a name to feel good. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's really good. Okay, he was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so mad. I'm blank. I should know this. I can say Bernie Williams. There we go. Bernie and somebody Williams else. Was the goat. Yeah. He was the goat. Um, you know, Chili Davis. Like, mm-hmm. I just like for me that wasn't. It was. I, there's. Dominicans are black, in my opinion. Yeah. But like, that's another conversation. Right, right, <laughs> but right, right. but like, I grew up watching baseball, like Rafael Fakhrell, like guys, Omar Vizcal. There's so many people that like, like really like influenced me. So uh, I don't know. It was just weird to me. I really thought I didn't think anything of it. But like, I was just like, that's that's really weird. But I guess this is how it was. Like, no one really went to see him up and played. And all of the black kids played basketball track. Yeah. That's just what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, if you got cut senior year, how did the how did you end up making it into so, college? Uh, so I'm saying like it's my faith because it's weird. Uh, my summer baseball team, basically, you go for baseball, you go on tournaments. That's basically how you really get seen. I went. I got lucky because one of my my boys' team lost a player. They got hurt or whatever, so they needed someone else, and. It, like they were like, yo, can you come to this tournament? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could come. And at that tournament, I like probably played the best baseball of my life. Is ever. this tournament? This is like an AAU kind of thing. Yeah, or a travel team? it's like a travel team. Okay. So that's really how you get seen for baseball because it's like you. It's kind of hard to judge someone off of the season because think about it, college baseball they're in season at the same time. So. How are you going to really go and, and, all that. and scout? So yeah. the time that they do scout is in the summertime and some of these major tournaments. So um, i pretty sure my batting average was like 750. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I went off. Um, <laughs> so obviously I was the new one on the team. I was last. They made me bat last. They had this. We're facing some kid, this Cuban kid, lefty through gas, like throwing like 100 like on the reg. Wow. Uh, we got two hit. I got one of the hits. Nice. Um, and then I was also playing outfield. So then the next game, they put me to be leadoff. First pitch of the game, home run. Next time, triple. Next time, double, triple. Wow. Like, I, I went wow. off. Like, it's it's it was the the juice that was flowing was crazy. And then after after that tournament, I so many letters came in. Mm. Got letters from Creighton, Temple, um, uh, University of Hartford, Purdue, Penn State. Um, I think it was like George, some random school in Georgia. But like, I think I chose Penn State because kind of got influenced. My friend went there. I went to visit him. It was like lit. So I was just like, all right, I think this is the perfect state for me. Um, so that's how. I ended up being in Penn State, so like it's actually funny, right? Because I knew where I was going to school, right? Yeah. I already had, I already had the looks. So some of the kids on our team, 
um, didn't even know where they were going or playing, but I knew. So I kind of had, it was kind of funny because it it's out. like, yo, I'm like, all right, you cut me, but like, oh, how many, I think three kids all of our senior class played D1. And I was like one of one of them, yeah. and you you try to like screw me yeah. from playing. Like think about that. He could honestly just ended my career right there. Yeah, which is messed up. So like yeah. that's why I said like, no matter what, I always try to tell use that story to try to tell like people to motivate them. Like yo, like one door might close, but like continue doing it because another door is gonna open somewhere else. Bro, yeah, that's real. That's powerful, man. You know, for someone to to step in and almost end that and like. Look where you ended up doing D1, playing D1, yeah. right? Somewhere. Um, and that's just so crazy. Crazy, bro. Yeah. Wow. So what was college like for you then? Interesting. Um, I Penn State's weird because there's not a lot of diversity. I would say like the black community was like 5% of the school. So you kind of knew every one that was black um it was cool like you just had to meet your people like yeah. there there was racism there a lot and yeah, i experienced it a lot and it's just it's kind of annoying to deal with you know what i mean it's like think about like like penn state's really big on tailgating like that's their it's a culture um we have literally seas of grass and like hundreds of thousands of people come to tailgate and watch a football game here's my thing how can you be racist when your majority of football players are black you know what i mean like mm -hmm. so like it was just weird to me and like i would have like people saying racist stuff to me left and right i actually had an incident where i got i went to like bring a like food to my ex-girlfriend after like the bar or whatever and there's these two dudes, they're part of the, we call them the redneck frat because they're, they literally have a gate that's painted red and they're like Confederate flag, everything. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So they're just like, oh, like, what's this N doing here? And I'm like, what'd you say? Oh, like, no. and I'm like, you like, you heard me, boy. Like, and we got to scrapping, I ended up, um, I ended up actually getting in more trouble than they did. Um, my head actually went there, like my head went through a glass. Um, cops came, they didn't even like put them in handcuffs. You said that they put your head through glass? Yeah, they put my head through glass. Bruh. Yeah. Um, so I actually had to go to the hospital. Um, the cop was just like, oh, like, uh, that's just a word. That's what he told me. That's oh, just a nah. word. I was just like, what? So like, it's weird. So I went to, I had to go to court, guy, a lawyer and all that. The lawyer was just like, look, I understand where you're coming from, but if you take this to court, the jury here, uh, and he literally went like that. Uh, mm. So I was just like, all right. So I had to meet like with the dean at school and I told him what happened. And then those kids actually, they couldn't, there was like their senior year, they couldn't graduate. Like they actually, Penn State just said, yo, your whole year, you can't. You have to sit out for a whole year. Oh, that's cool. So, so I mean, they, at least they they suspended them. They suspended them um, and I mean, I guess justice was served. I didn't do any. I didn't get in trouble or anything, which is good. But that's like there were so many altercations just like that that I dealt with. That I just it was just annoying. 
Did that impact um, things with you on the baseball team as well? Like, was your was your coach involved? Were they like, you know, um, what happened? Coach Warren was cool. Um, yeah. I talked to him about it. At the time, I was the only black kid on the team. I think the year after, because I got hurt. So I ended up leaving for, and then my, my uncle died. So I took a semester off, came back to school. We got a new baseball coach. And he was just like, yeah, I don't really want you. So, yeah, so that's when, like, my baseball career really ended. Because I pulled my groins. I, I was snowboarding with the team. Messed up my groin. I didn't want to tell them, like, yo, like, I got hurt snowboarding because I could have lost my scholarship. So next day I practice, I pulled my other groin. So I'm out, literally just out. That was the end of my baseball career. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Bro, you've lived a very, like, rich life, man. It's crazy, though. But, like, as I said, like, one door closes another one opens yeah that's how I found acting wow. yeah so my friend was like the head of the Penn State Network television and he's always like he's like yo you should be an actor I'm like yeah I always wanted to do it couldn't do it in high school because you either play sports or theater mm -hmm. so I was just like yo I thought I'm going to the league that's it so I just started doing like these skits and then like, I ended up doing like TV shows for Penn State Network television my get out getting my minor in theater and that's why I'm acting today. Like, so what, what was it that they, like, what did they see that they were like, you should consider acting? I guess I'm just a clown, you know? Like, mm. um, I laugh. I like to laugh. I feel like laughing brings out a lot of joy. So, I don't know, I'm just being myself, you know? Um, putting on the African accent. Like, yeah. for me, it's not even an accent. Like, it's just part, it's who I am, you yeah. know? So, stuff like that, just goofing off and they were like all right you should try this so when you it's weird like i feel like people some people have a natural like knack for acting but then then there's training behind it you have yeah. to learn how to like channel your emotions how to bring it out tone and all that type of stuff so it was really like good to like really really like learn that and then that's it's i've been happy ever since bruh yeah i'm like mind blown right now <laughs> so wait, real quick i, I want to dive into acting but before that what so the similarities right between the high school baseball and the way that plays out with the injury and you know getting cut then and then the way the college situation plays out with another injury and then getting cut um What's going through your mind, right? In many ways, it's like life is almost repeating itself, right? And like, and then there was even like, you know, to, to kind of compound that, right? There was loss that you suffered around that time. And there was also a loss that you had suffered back when you were younger, right? So like these things are repeating themselves. What's what's your mindset in this time so frame? So I was actually like really depressed after I got hurt for baseball. Uh, I, my grades like suffered really bad. So I actually had to like, just axed that semester just so my GPA wouldn't be affected. Mm. So I ended up just taking, I was talking to, it's the first time I talked to someone. And I guess like I told her like, oh, my dad died, all this stuff. And uh, I think at the time, like whatever, that girl I was with, like we were going through a rocky thing. So mentally I wasn't really in a good state at all. Yeah. So I think it was actually like really good that I took that semester off just to like, I guess at the time I've also I knew I needed to take the semester off for myself mentally, but at the time it's like 
you see all your friends are in college, right? And it's like, yo, like, you're not going to finish on time. Mm -hmm. And it's like caring what people thought. And I guess, like, within that time that I took my semester off, I'm like, yo, you're not going to care about what people think. You're going to do what's best for you. And obviously, things aren't going the way that you want them to. But, like, you need to figure out a way to get back on track and do you and still be successful making your mom happy. Yeah. So that's where my mind was at, like when I took that time off of school. And what what how did you spend the time? Like Um I think at that time I was actually trying to like pursue acting. So I'm like, yo, if I'm here back home in, in Jersey, I'm just gonna go to the city and try to pursue acting. So I started doing like background work, um, stuff like that, just understanding how it is to be on set because I've never really been on like a professional set so like I understood all right this is what the director does cut you know what I mean don't speak here so I got to honestly experience things from a hands-on instead of learning from a book mm -hmm. which for me I feel like I've always been a better hands-on type of learner I'm yeah. very visual yeah. in the terms the way I learn if I see something I remember it forever so that helped me out. I knew when I came back to Penn State, like, I was switching majors. I was, like, athletic training. Then I went to, I think, uh, history. And then I'm like, yo, what what am I going to do with a history major? Mm. And then I'm like, yo, like, you just got her from baseball. I want to learn, learn how to rehab. So then I chose kinesiology, movement, science. And that's yeah. what I've, that's, and it's funny, right? Now I'm a personal trainer where, like, some, one of my clients get hurt. Like, I kind of know yeah. what to do. And if yeah. I don't know, I just go act like a physical therapist for their help. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's like, it's it's just crazy how, like, life all came together for yeah. me. Yeah, no, it's definitely, there's definitely several pieces to the puzzle here that are, like, all you know, coming together. Even if it's, like, exposure to something and then it kind of goes away for a little bit and then something else happens and then at the end right like months or years later down the line you see all the pieces come together yeah, yeah it's crazy so acting is starting to take off towards the end of college where at least you're diving in it um and so you graduate from school and are you like is acting the number one priority so i got a job with like ibm doing like incentive i was like my title was like health and incentive uh, like associate. So I had a literally, IBM does this thing where they would have like a Fitbit or a tracker on your phone. I had to check it, see if each person did their thing so they can get the bonus. Oh, uh, okay. It was, uh, I was sitting on a computer. Like it was, <laughs> and like, like I told you, I was just like, I, yeah. can't, I can't do this. I, was, I wasn't happy. So I, decided to go back into personal training. I did that. Um, I interned as a personal trainer with Mark Williams. Uh, he used to train Tim Howard. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like in terms of like my training philosophy and yeah. everything that I know, I pay homage to him. Like he, yeah. he really like showed me the ropes, understanding the business, uh, training athletes, training old people. So like in hindsight, it's weird, right? I wasn't happy at the time i was doing certain things but those things have helped me be able to like prosper and 
continue on my path to my goals. Yeah. Real quick, shout out to Tim Howard, man. Yeah. That's uh Tim Tim actually went to our, my high school. Oh, for real? Yeah, I mean years before I got there, but Small that's like world. probably our, our most notable alumni. So yeah, just shout that out. I mean, uh, he really in terms of uh for soccer for America, um I'd say him, Clint Dempsey. Mm-hmm. I respect more than and, uh, Donovan too. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm just saying I respect more than Landon Donovan because they were able to go overseas to a Premier League where right. like, like that's I'm not playing the MLS or anything, but yeah. like that's like high end like soccer. You're playing like real real soccer. So in terms of that, like they really like opened doors, I feel like, for people in America that love soccer. Yeah. That's a whole nother story. That's right. We'll get we'll get on that another time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you get back into personal training, and yeah. you got a, a lot of tips from this guy who's working with Tim Howard. Um, and what happens next? So I was doing IBM, and I would go to him at the end of the like after work to train a couple of people just just to get some extra cash flow. Um, I started realizing, like, you know, I'm only training young athletes. I kind of want a different feel. I wasn't feeling challenged enough. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go on my own. And it was it was hard in the beginning, you know, trying to get new clientele. Um, so it was more, I really learned about myself, you know. Uh, I was in a, definitely a deep, dark spot, like, wasn't making a lot of money, you know. Um all my friends, I had like working for JP Morgan or ADP or, you know, like uh, they're holding high position lawyers, doctors, or they're almost done with med school. And I was like, yo, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I feel like I, after I got like two clients, three clients, it just started flowing. Like it was just, it came in like a, a natural like flow of like, all right. You're good. Like, you're good here, you know? Then word of mouth started spreading. Um, ended up teaming up with this company called Handstand at the time, where they, like, brought their whole thing was they would bring a trainer to wherever you are. So sometimes I would have to go to, like, an office building and train a whole, like, company during their lunch break and stuff. So that gave me, like, the experience to, like, understand, like, all right, like, you're good. Just understand, like, it's a hustle. Like, personal training is a hustle. Waking up at, like, 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. to train a 5 a.m. client. Like, sometimes your last client's at 10. Mm-hmm. So I was able to um, really, like, just lock in, you know? Just yeah. be like, yo, this is the hustle. You're going to get to where your friends are. You may not get there right now. That That's okay. And... Uh, I feel like that's important with a lot of people in terms of like, especially entertainment. Entertainment is so hard to get into, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, you're talented. Okay, so are other people. Then it's like, who do you know? Like, who's believes? Who's gonna put you in front to mm-hmm. like, you know, put you mm-hmm. forward? Um, and that takes time. It's like relationships. So it's just more trusting the process, believing in your craft, believing in yourself. And it's going to eventually happen, you know, it may not happen tomorrow, but um, I feel like the problem with our generation is we're not patient. At all, bro. We want things like right now, you know what I mean? Like, 
yo, I need to get there quick. Kind of, I'm just gonna get this Uber. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, you know, like everything's go 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 go. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you need to learn to live in the present. Yeah. Now, one hundred percent. I think. I mean, I always have conversations about why that is, and you know, I think some of it has to do with like the accessibility to um to some of the technology and advances that we've had over the last 20, 30 years. Um, you know, we literally our generation grew up without the internet, really. I mean, it wasn't really available. You remember um, dial up? <laughs> yeah, bro. You know what I mean? Like like oh, like yo, getting on and like being able to just chat and check your email was a blessing. And like, God forbid you needed to get on the website. Like, you know, if you got onto one and got the information you needed, that was amazing. Facts. And Time has gone on to now you can pull out this device out of your pocket and get all the information you need within seconds. It's true. Right? So it's a different mindset. And I think that in many ways, same thing, right? Kind of full circle with the conditioning piece that we were talking about as far as race. Um, This actually really ties back nicely because I'm thinking about there's an executive who worked, who used to work at Facebook. And I don't remember the guy's name, um, but he always used to speak to having tremendous guilt behind uh, the exploitation that Facebook utilized in the human psyche to build out this platform. Mm-hmm. Because it's a it's a social validation cycle where you create content, um, it receives a certain response, it gives you a dopamine rush, and then you it creates a desire to do more of that behavior that will get you that same rush, right? And so it just kind of exploits and creates a cycle. And he talked about um, he literally says, like in this interview, you have one brain, and this brain is conditioned to do the same thing over and over, right? It's it's interesting. He's like, it's it's actually not even realistic that people expect with this same brain, right, to condition every day to be on socials and however we live on social media in that sense, where it's instant validation and creating this kind of instant instancy culture in our own minds. It's not possible to take that same brain and then go out and say, I'm going to build a business and, and, and do it over time. And that, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go through all the pitfalls, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows without being impatient. How could you? Because you're, you're literally conditioning your mind in one way to, um, you know, to believe that it needs to be instantaneous, right? So if that's the mind that's that's feeling that way there, then it's going to feel the same way when you're building out a business. And so he talked about the need to step back and and not need all of that instantaneous kind of things of being okay with the, you know, with the, the process, if you will, um, and trying to apply that across the board, not just when you're building out a business, but also... Hey, can I, you know, can I kind of cut down my need for immediacy and response with text messages or with social media, right? You know, are there other ways to connect with people that, um, you know, in addition, like leveraging those tools, but are there ways to cut back in some ways that will help you be less inclined to seek immediacy? I agree with that a lot. And it's like, that's why there would be times where I take breaks. Like, I, I started going, like, sometimes... I would not even go on social media during the weekend. I'll just, I'm living my life and doing what I got to do. Yeah. Um, It's very important to take breaks. And it's another thing is you also got to realize like you're only seeing what that person wants you to see, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I feel like people get to like, oh, yo, he was here the other day. Like he's doing this. Like, yeah, that's like two seconds of what he's been doing. You know what I mean? Like, 
I kind of like respect some pages where it's like they show you their failures, you know, like it's it's realistic. It's like you shouldn't just be showing like your wins, but it's hard too because it's like you're some, especially in the entertainment, it's like, oh, yo, I have a song coming out or I have a new project coming out. You have to like promote it. So it's like, okay, like this is what I am. This is what I'm doing to the point where when you're not doing that, people are like, but what are you doing now? Right. And it's not like you're not doing anything. Yeah. It's just like, yo, I just don't have any projects right mm-hmm. now. Like I'm in acting class. Yeah. Like it's like, like it's not, it's weird. Cause like after I did the Wu-Tang um, role, like I had so many people. So like, yo, like what's on next? I'm like, dude, like, I mean, it just finished. So yeah. I'm, I'm back to acting class. Like when my agent sends me stuff or I see a project that's right for me. I'm going to do it. Like, it's just every, I feel like it's the same thing with like music now where it's like, yo, like, uh, who is it? The Baby, right? I'm pretty sure he dropped an album in like January. Bruh. And then he dropped another one in like Bruh. March. I'm like, dude, you didn't really need to drop another <laughs> album. Like that album was good. Yeah. But it's just, it's sad because society, there's a, there's a, I want to say, I don't know if you feel it, but sometimes there's, there's like this force in the air that it's like, yo, you need to do this like right now. Get on, get on board. Like, but no, like, yo, take your time. Mm-hmm. Do, do what you need to do to get it done. Like everyone has their own um, vision for the way things are supposed to be done. And I feel like we need to start understanding that and respecting that and other people's like pages or whatnot absolutely like i couldn't agree more music is such a good example for me because that's like the the space i really like pay attention to and uh the last the last uh episode i had actually was uh, a rapper my my guy sean and we had a, a similar conversation about patience in the process right and you know with musicians especially musicians there's a lot of other areas too but especially musicians like there's this desire to receive the content right away as if it doesn't take time and effort to build, right? Like as if you just build a blueprint one, right? Out of nowhere, like, you know what I mean? Like it just like, yo, know, people, it takes years of experience, life experiences and, you know, you need content to talk about, right? And, and it's not even just, oh, this happened to me. Now I'm going to talk about it. There's a processing factor, right? Like, what what am I really feeling about this? What really happened? Am I healed from it? Or do I need healing? And like, what's my approach going to be to get this right and the way I want to communicate it? Like, there is so much involved, right, in processing and creating. Um, and the emphasis is always immediacy. And it's like, it's really interesting. Like, you know, the idea of feeling that as a creator, that people are constantly waiting and looking for you to put out the very next thing. What's new and next? And it's like, yo, I, you could appreciate what I put out. Um, and I, I actually feel the same way. Like, you know, you mentioned a baby. I think I also think about Future, who's constantly putting out content so much all music. the time. And I'm like, yeah, I don't mind it. But at some point, right, like, you know, the quality may take a hit because of the quantity right and i and i feel like it's a product of um society and what we expect and it's also like a uh so my my boy chewy sent me a graph on like to help me with like my grief process dude there's five 
stages of grief, mm. right? So in, in any situation, right, there's the denial, then there's the anger, then there's bargaining, then you go through the depression, and then acceptance. Wow. So in terms of acceptance, you kind of have to, you can't just force that, right? Yeah. Like when you listen to music, especially like artists like you and like J. Cole or it's a Kendrick. Like everyone's like, when's J. Cole and Kendrick dropping an album? Yo, like they're living life. Like right. Let them like go through their stages right. and then pull out the music. I just, that's like, a, I, I don't know. It's just hard. It's just really hard because the pressure that people get that they shouldn't be getting because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense at yeah. all. So you talked about getting some of that pressure in your uh in the work that you've been doing and um you talked about you mentioned the the um Wu Tang piece. Talk a little bit about your involvement in that and like some of the you know what you felt like may have been pressure for people to see the new and next thing. Um so it's like I'm also believe in not like telling people like what I'm doing until it's done because done, right. acting is cutthroat. There's been times where I've booked something and literally the morning of they were like, yo, the shoot is canceled. Mm. Like there's so many, there's so much different processes to acting. It's like you also may shoot something, but your scene may not make the cut because there's a director's cut, producer's cut. There's so many different elements wow. that people don't even think about. Yeah. So like, yeah, like I get the role, I get the audition. Cool. I was like, all right, cool, I got it. I think I only told like my girlfriend, um, and that was it. I'm like, do not tell no one, like, because I've just been through this so much. Like, it's like I when I ran into um, Benicio de Toro, he told me like, yo, like, any advice that I could give you is this craft is a roller coaster. Stay on the ride, because there's times where you're gonna be really high up, and there's times where you're gonna be rock bottom. And then there's going to be times in the middle. So I took that into context. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just not even like, like, all right, like I got my INDB credit. I'm like, all right, cool. But I still was a little nervous. I'm like, yo, maybe my scene wasn't wasn't in there. Like, but it's a, re, it's a reality. It's yeah. a reality. Like granted you get, I got paid for it, right? Mm -hmm. You get paid for it no matter what. But like at the end of the day, like I care about like what I'm putting into the craft. Like, yeah. all right, like. This is like the hard work, like behind the scenes that no one knows that I'm doing. That's finally like put me into the spotlight. So when that happened, it was cool. Um, I was grateful, but I was like already looking to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to like better myself. Mm -hmm. um, I use acting as therapy for myself. It helps me a lot. Like just learning to like like control my emotions. Um, so I think after that I had, uh, I think it was like, uh, I forgot what it even was. Um, it was like a small, like commercial for Cognizant. That's what it was. So I did that and it was just like sometime and that, and it's funny when that commercial aired, you saw half my face. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was just like a tenth of a second. Right. So it was like, it's there's a lot of stuff like that that you have to deal with. So, I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's part, like, I get told part, no, 20 times a week, bro. Just imagine going to an audition, like, all right, I did this. I started thinking about the next one. Because it's like, at the time, you need to learn um, 
appreciate, I start being a little grateful. Because mm-hmm. first it's like, I get the audition. All right, that's cool. Like, you got the audition. Be grateful you got the audition because someone else hasn't got the audition. Real. So once I started, like, thinking about it like that, mm-hmm. I think I've been able to, like, become more successful because I'm not, even if I don't get it, I'm like, all right, that was a learning point. That's yeah. an experience yeah. I can use into whatever next is coming my way. That's real, man. That's real. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in line with the co- the whole theme of the 99 Celsius podcast, it's all about the journey and the idea of this water being heating up, heating up and trying to reach its boiling point. And um, you've lived this rich life of all of these steps, right? And they've, you know, I'm certain that each of them contribute to you being where you are today. And as you think about, you know, the the next thing for you and um, what 99 could look like. You know what comes to mind. What you know. What does does potentially reaching a boiling point look like for you in the world of health and wellness, and in the well in the world of acting, or maybe even other worlds. So, in terms of acting, I would, I would love to star in Black Panther too. That's that right there. I think it pays homage to my roots of being Ghanaian. Uh, so I've been like speaking that into existence, um, just crafting, working with, I just got a new acting coach, shout out Wendy McKenzie, um, just to better myself, you know what I mean? So when I do get into that room, um, I'm able to perform and hopefully like I get it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in terms of health and wellness, I'm, I think I just, I'm at a point now where it's like, it's weird because I'm moving now, right? I just built this relationship with my clientele, and now I'm about to move to LA. Yeah. Um, it kind of it's it's weird because it's like I tell people like personal training, at least for me, it's it's personal. You know what I mean? Like you've built this camaraderie with this person, you've seen this person grow, you've helped them uh, uh, get to their goals. Um, it's it's beautiful in terms of what I can see. Like I'm actually helping people do something because yeah. at the end of the day, personal training is a system of service. That's why like you won't really see me like posting like crazy pictures of like my shirt off or like <laughs> oh like because it's not to me. It's not about that. Like yeah. I don't I don't like being like an influencer in that type of sense. I yeah. kind of like being an influencer in terms of like yo look. Things are hard, but mm-hmm. like work through this to get there. Um, so that's like my mission now is to just try to help as many people as possible. Um, I want to actually like host um, some like gift backs in terms of like community workouts, no. like just free of charge, you know, having because I knew I couldn't afford a trainer, like especially for baseball. I trained on my own. Mm-hmm. So I knew I know how that I know how that feels. So I, I kinda want people to understand like fitness and health and wellness is an it's inclusion. You shouldn't just because you may not be able to afford an hour session with me doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to train with me. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm like I just teamed up with um Under Armour. Um, I'm going to try to like, we're we're working on things to like, try to get more community workouts and bring people in closer from all walks of life. Because at the end of the day, health is for you, right? Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be looking at Instagram like, oh, I want this body. Like, this is, this is who I want to be. 
yes, you can get there. That's fine. But take the steps to get there. And it's it just takes, it's just like there's no, you can't take a slim tea or a pill, <laughs> a magic pill to lose all these weights. Right. Like, um, you, you have to work for it. Mm-hmm. And it's more satisfying when you work through it mm-hmm. and you dig, you dig yourself out the mud. And then you look at yourself in the mirror like, yo, look, I'm happy with who I am. Yeah. I, I really want the world to understand that. and Because yeah. the, the fitness industry is... Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. It's kind of there's a lot of fake things going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just try to try to shine as much positive light as I can. Yeah. So like, I mean, I'm always learning something new. Like right now, I'm taking a new cert on exercise therapy. Okay. So like, I'm always trying to like continue my education in that, so I can be more useful to my clients and help them. So I'm actually really excited, man. Yeah. Really excited. I'm excited for you, man. Appreciate it. Um, and you said you're moving, right? Yeah, so yeah. I just decided. I'm me and wifey and my pup, we're out. We're gonna go cross country. Yes, sir. Um, LA. Um it's just more opportunities, it's just it just makes sense. Yeah. Um New York is cool. I need a challenge. I I feel like I do better in when I'm like not comfortable. Mm. I like being uncomfortable. It's mm-hmm. weird to say, but like it just brings out a different beast in me. Yeah. And I'm just ready to just savage and grind and, you know what I mean, work yeah. hard. I'm always a worker. That's one thing. Like, no matter, like, sports, acting, like, I'm always working. It may not look like I'm working, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you may not see that I'm working, but, like, I don't think, like, it's like uh, Mayweather. Have you ever seen Mayweather train? I haven't. No, I've never, and I've, I've, I've actively like looked for like oh, know, yeah. train how he trains. Yeah, like that's it's something he doesn't do because that's his secret, right? Yeah, and that's why he's he's so good. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So like you always, everyone's working. I feel like at the end of the day, everyone needs to realize someone's always working. Do your work, and you'll get there. That's right. Don't hate. Just yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, I feel like we talked about like jealousy earlier, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because like jealousy. It's a funny trait because it's like, why are you really envious of this person? What about that person? If, especially if they're not like a douche or anything, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you why why are you jealous of them? Yeah, it's an insecurity in yourself. Absolutely. So it's like you need to, like Jake, you said, you need to figure out what that is, and just take the appropriate steps to not be that. Jealous person. Exactly. Just get to the spot that you want to be in. Right. That's it. Sitting with the insecurity and like and realizing where where you may be falling short in your own mind, right? And addressing it and then, you know, understanding that someone else's success has really has no bearing on your success, right? It's ultimately I think a an idea of um scarcity versus abundance, right? Mm-hmm. And if there's the belief that there is abundance out in the world and that there's enough for everyone to have and eat, then someone else getting their food doesn't take away any out of your stomach. Exactly. And, you know, once you get to that point where you could truly believe that and remind yourself of that, right? Because we all have our, our ups and downs where we have, we're seeing the world really clearly and it's great. And then sometimes things happen that kind of throw us off balance. And so, you know, I think constantly refreshing ourselves with that thinking and philosophy helps us and when we have those moments where it's like, oh, I don't know, you know, I should be there, blah, blah. It's like, wait, hold on. Why am I feeling that way? I could be happy for this person. How am I feeling about my performance? And am I giving the best I can 
Exactly. And if I can, if I am, great. Then it's going to work out. And if I'm not, okay, now I know that I need to do X, Y, and Z, and that would be the best I can do. And that's it. That's it. At that point, allow everything to work out the way it does. Um, so, yeah, man. Easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. 100%. But, like, at the end of the day, it's like you just have to put in that work. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. And smartly. Like, there's... Uh, I, like one of my hashtags on Instagram is grind smart, be great. Because you can work so hard, but like you're not working towards the right thing. That's real. Yeah. Hey, man. Cut, go ahead and clap yeah, it up yeah, for yourself, yeah, bro. Yeah. Hey, man. You, bro. It's a wrap, bro. Uh, man, episode 15, bro. This was Yo, amazing. Congratulations, by the way. Thank because, you, man. I mean, on the trip to Cape Coast, you were talking about this. You're like, yeah, I'm going to get this on the road. Bro, look at you right now, right? We're in May, yeah. right? You were talking about this yeah. in December, yeah. and you're already 15 episodes in, yeah, so you man. clap it up for yourself. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. And it means the world, man, that we were uh, we were able to do this, man, because um, I was thinking about, as we were speaking, how it's full circle in the sense of, I started this literally in Ghana. Um, I did episode zero there, giving the intro in my auntie's house. Um, you know, just trying to get it ready and I came back and cut it up and I, I was just learning. I didn't know what I was doing, but I brought my equipment there to do it and we talked about it there and for us to now be linked up in the States when we met in Ghana and doing the last episode of the season and for you to share all the gems you did, man, like you shared so much and was so gracious with like putting out your life there for the people to consume and be inspired by. I know that people are going to really resonate with that. So thank you, man. Yeah. I know I learned a lot, man. And um, I really appreciate all that you you shared for sure. Um, this is such a beautiful way to wrap it up. I'm like really pleased with the discussion that we had for sure. Um, with that said, man, I know people are gonna want to keep in touch and see what you're doing and working on. Uh, people, I'm sure, are gonna want to keep up with your LA journey and such. So, how can the folks keep in touch with you? Um, my IG handle is at Vincentius Filu. So it's at V I N C E N T I A. F I L H O. So, that's feel. <laughs> My man, that's a wrap. Much appreciated, brother. Y'all. Thank you for having yes, me, man. More blessings, brother. Thank you. <laughs>